The ACN podcast is made possible thanks to the generosity of our listeners and sponsors, including the Agile Alliance. As a nonprofit membership organization, the Agile Alliance is an excellent resource to help you along your Agile journey. To learn more about the Agile Alliance and our other sponsors, as well as how you can become a sponsor or supporter of our show, please visit acnpodcast.org for more information. And thank you for your support. Good morning and good evening, everyone. This is the Agile Coaching Network. We're going into episode 74. We've been doing this podcast for for multiple years, and I was just looking, I got some data that was sent to me recently from Spotify. They have this really kind of cool end of the year application that if if any of you else are doing podcasts and, and publishing to as one of your distribution channels, the Spotify channel, they send you this nice end of year sort of statistics and stats for the podcast and was that we created over 557 minutes worth of new content and new information for people in the Agile community. And and that's just totally awesome. And and I think, you know, the, the whole goal of when we created this was to amplify the learning from everyone. And And learning, by the way, again, if you're a first timer here is, it doesn't matter if you're in the first part of your journey or you're a person who's been doing, like some of us, we've been doing Agile for a couple of decades. And I hate saying that, because a couple of decades, that, that makes me old. The other point in the Spotify data that I thought was really cool is, is that we are one of the top 10% in the business categories phase talking about Agile and other practices. We're in the top 10% of the podcast from their platform. That doesn't include the data that we have, say, on a, on a iHeartRadio or Apple and, and others distribution paths. But I think it was really cool to see that in the Spotify universe that we, we were up that high. And then the other one was, and this is all everyone who's listening who does this and says, hey, that podcast is over there. Go listen to it. We were the 15% top most shared podcasts on the platform. So that's 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 a cause for an end of the year celebration for us because we we really work hard uh, in order to be able to produce a, a good show and amplify what we're trying to do in the, in the whole universe that is agile coaching. Um, just to let everyone know, and I, I say this every time because they are absolutely our proud sponsors. They're the ones who help to fund the webinar platform and all the distribution that we've got here. The Agile Alliance is a nonprofit organization that started the Agile move, movement back at, after, shortly after the signing of the Agile Manifesto. A couple of the manifesto authors and a few people who couldn't make it to Snowbird at the time went off and wanted to go run a conference. So they created this organization called the Agile Alliance. The first decade of its operation was mostly about just the conference annually. But over time, they became a full-blown nonprofit that's been supporting the Agile community by funding things like the Agile Coaching Network. But also, if you have a user group that you're a part of, maybe in your particular region, you know, go to an Agile meetup group. If you look at it, that might be sponsored by the Agile Alliance. Agile Alliance, they have a membership program that's fairly inexpensive. It's $49, and it gives you access to a whole bunch of different events and other things that you can go to. The Agile Coaching Network is not a part of that membership program, but it is in fact that members, you, if you are an Agile Alliance member, thank you. You help to support the show and the work that we do. I'm joined by a group of very talented people every month that helps to get the conversation going. And all of us are non-paid where we just have a real deep passion to go share Agile, the learning that we 
were taught by other really great people over the years and to amplify that information. So Shauna, Hendrik, Jorg, Deanna, who, well, by the way, Hendrik and uh, Deanna are not here this, this session just because they've got some other things that they had to go handle. But they've been supporting us, not just for this year, but over the multiple years that we've been running the show. So thank you all. You, uh, I, I say this every time, but I could not do this production without you. You guys are far smarter than I am in a whole bunch of different areas. So to kick things off, I want to talk about focus. And, and focus, as you know, this is one of these, these things that as we coach teams, we strive, you know, and I think about every different conversation, every sort of working pattern that we have as agile coaches, a lot of these are really being fine-tuned to get a group of people together and to help them and enable them to have focus around something. And you can think of the frameworks that we have today, you know, like with, with Scrum, or you think of other, other mechanisms, like when we have really focused retrospectives on things and others. It's about really helping teams to, to get into almost a, a flow or, a, you know, the zone of focus and allow them to be able to go work on something together in a way that it's not distracted, that they're able to do exactly what it is that, which is to, to focus on something. And focus, as you guys know, is, is a part of the Scrum values, you know, and, and I just pulled this from scrum.org, the, the picture that I'm showing up here. And, and you know, that a, along with the courage and the commitment and the respect and the openness, we also have that focus component that's around it. And it's, it's within the sprints that, you know, if you think of every single ritual that we do in there, it, it is in fact, that's one of the underlining things that we're trying to do. But focus is hard. And and I know that if you, especially if you learn work in large corporations with lots of interrupts coming through, it sometimes becomes a real challenge to keep teams in this state. Lots of different patterns that can do this. I, I've always thought of it from, you know, since we're dealing with a great deal of complexity through this, but if you think of focus, you know, that alignment, enable, empower, and focus component, while it's in that same sense where as a coach, I'm also in that sort of learning, adapting, and that sort of that sense-making that we do. And I'm observing and orienting and, and helping the team be able to hold them into that space. So my kickoff question is here, how do you help the team to achieve focus? And, and especially now that we're in a hybrid and a remote work space, I know that as I, I work in my own environment today as a, as a fully remote employee, um, I could tell you that becomes a challenge to be able to be focused and connected with my, my teammates. Uh, I'd like to know the, of the strategies that you're using, what, what, which ones work were working really well? And, and on the counter of that, what do you still see the gaps are that we as, a, as an Agile coaching community uh, need to go off and address? So to kick off the conversation, Shauna, what do you think about this topic? What, 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 are, what are some of your suggestions? Yeah, you know, wow, there's a lot to really kind of unpack in, in this topic, but focus is something I'm definitely passionate about. I think one of the things that COVID did is it really made us internalize self-focus. So things like Slack and co constant barrage of emails, there's all of this stuff that's having a hard time uh, keeping our own focus, let alone how do we also focus on team? 
I think that, you know, one of the things that you really honed in on, Ray, was how do we as a team focus together? And one of the things that I, I've been seeing or an anti-pattern that I've been seeing is that, especially as we're trying to work on the self-focus, we've been, at least the, the teams that I've been participating in, I've seen eight or nine people on a team and they're each given their own kind of project within the backlog versus really figuring out, hey, as a common goal, what is it that we're trying to do together and how do we help each other out? How do we partner more? How do we help build that focus together? And I think that's really important because the other piece of focus is also motivation. How do I stay motivated to continue to be focused? And so by having a shared goal, with your team and to keep that goal in sight and mind, celebrate when you hit those achievements, keeping the goal small enough so that the team can achieve more and more of those as they go along instead of just having something that they're kind of slogging through. Having these core milestones uh, are also really important. I think the, the second thing is to continue to have that partnership where you're not just working on something solo. So how can you build your team so that you don't have a front-end engineer and a back-end engineer and a database person that are all just working on their own separate things? Like how, how can you partner? Because that's also gonna continue to hold each other accountable. And I think that's also important. Um, and finally, just continue to have those open conversations and to find ways to have safe places that you can problem solve together, work things out. As we're more remote, it's easy to just continue to internalize that stuff. But it's so, so important to find collaborative ways to keep it not just focused, but also fun. You bring up some really interesting points, and I want to just dig into one, one thing a little bit deeper. And I've seen this pattern happen a lot where the question always arises in my mind, is this really a team? And we have the rule in Scrum, you know, seven plus or minus two is a team. But I noticed that if some people just organize that way because they were told that, and then I look at the dynamics of the work and they're not really a team. They, they are in these like little silos or um, little enclaves within within a team. I mean, would would you as a coach recommend that, you know, because you can have a scrum team as, as small as three people, right? I mean, would you ever recommend really small scrum team in order to go address that so at least things are focused? I've seen where it does work well if, if everybody is kind of working together in a small group and have a common goal. It, I think it absolutely can work. Okay. I mean, what, what do you do about the overhead associated? Because I always hear this, this is the next line. Well, okay, well then we have all these roles and if, you know, you know, we have that scrum, the scrum master that's in there. So that's one person. And then we have the development team as well. So that's three people plus one. And then, you know, contributions of a product owner that now has to go to maybe multiple meetings versus just one, you know, so um, how do you handle the rest of the components in that? And I don't mean to pick on you, but I'm going to pick on you in a second. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I strongly believe that the, each of, each team needs to be um, handled slightly differently. And so what that looks like 
is maybe this team, this one team who's coming about and they're just doing a bunch of experimental or A-B testing work or, you know, there may be cases where you need to just move really fast and, and you're not doing these really large demos per se and you don't need all of the roles. And so I think it really depends on the team and the type of team and the kind of work that they're doing. I don't think that it's a cookie cutter approach by any means. Okay. That, thank you for that. Jorg, what do you think? Yeah, um, maybe starting with the discussion from just a second ago about the team sizes. I tend to start actually with bigger teams because a lot of people uh, that are not used, especially to Scrum um, and the Agile thinking, they tend to break it down into technical skills or face responsibilities or whatever when they are asked to separate the teams. And I try to emphasize the cross-functional first before going for size. And then when people are really able to do the cross-functional in a way that is helping the end product, it doesn't need to be always the full span as Sean already indicated, um, but they really need to have solid contribution that is not just a technical niche to be a team that really can stay focused on product and customer value. And that's important. You can easily focus on your own technical responsibility and completely lose sight of what you're going to produce. That is focus, but is that really helping? So finding the right kind of focus is an important thing. And you do that by having the discussion about the why of the work a lot. And especially you try to teach this to the team by normally just walking the talk, doing it yourself, letting them explain, and then they get into the habit of seeing that actually what I'm doing technically has a contribution here. And then suddenly somebody says, that's not what we're going to do. And you think there's a technical problem and they say, that is not what you explain the customer wants. And then you know you're there. Then they can again start discussing size on their own. And that again helps them to keep focus because in the end, I'm going to move out because I have something else to do, moving somewhere else, whatever my role. But the team needs to keep the focus and they need to create new focus on a new project, on a new product, whatever. So they need to learn how to create focus. And um, the, the biggest thing I see is the very regular exchange and being aware and simple things to do it are pair programming, uh, a bit test-driven development, peer reviews, dailies, all that kind of interaction. The more interaction you create, that pulls together again. Uh, and again, you mentioned, or Shauna mentioned Slack in the personal space, it needs to be there in the team as well. If there's something to do that's off track, just make it visible. Make it clear there's something happening that is not in the central focus, but has a reason, because then this thing will end. And it's a good way to get back to the focus. Sometimes even relaxation, just if the team works really hard and sprints really fast, already plan for a bit of break and teach them how to do this, these other uh, things. And I think what is still missing is really a good way to get the focus for the management in, in a sense that they are not interfering where they are not needed, but actually strongly supporting 
where they can bring focus and information. So this open information coming from all sides to the team is important. It's not only their transparency, it's the transparency they have about their why, which again would create focus. So mm -hmm. that is probably one of the gaps that I see a lot because everybody wants to know when do I get this, but very few people are really able to explain what is really making the difference. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see some of those points. And I just uh, Deanna's not here, so I'll channel channel my inner Deanna. She said a couple uh, podcasts ago when she was talking about that teams do need the ability to breathe in, you know, sort of the, the, the breathing cycle of breathe in and then you excel, breathe in and excel, you know, the that that sometimes teams just breathe in, breathe in, breathe in, breathe in, and that's not sustainable. The other thing, just to dig a little bit on, because you said this at the beginning of what you were talking about, was the fact that you tend to start with large teams first. I think that's what you said, and I just wanted to get yeah. from a clarity perspective, is that something you start them big and then you go, oops, uh, we got to break them down a little bit? or what's, mm, I, I, Actually, I try not to even go there. I try to bring more people together to get them all to the same starting point in, in a fast way. Uh, and that can be uh, 15, worst case 20, if the organization doesn't allow uh, for, for parallel teams because they're hesitant or something. But I'm very keen to hear the points where they see inefficiency by being such a big group. And that's not only the dailies might take longer. You can easily do it still in 10 minutes with 15 people. That's okay, if, then. if you keep the dis discipline. But what you don't get is exactly the focus. They see that they are diverging. Uh, and when they understand the direction of divergence, then they can split more easily because suddenly okay. it's not a split from above, but it's separation of concerns, so to say. No, that, that makes perfect sense now. Thank you. Thank you for the clarity on that. Sheila, are you there? Uh, what do you want to add to this? Yeah, this is a, a great topic for me because early on in my career, I worked with a, a um, in my Scrum career, I should say, like with using Scrum, uh, I worked with what I would consider the highest performing team I've ever worked with. And I try to use a lot of how this team wound up operating uh, uh, to coach other teams because of a lot of the things that were being said here. Uh, and they did a really great job in achieving focus, team focus in small pieces. And they did so by using sprint planning very effectively and in sprint planning, determining who, you know, who's going to be working on what, creating uh, subtasks for things, understanding which things were being completed first, who was going to be working on that. They created communication norms for each of those those items. And when I say communication norms, it was you know setting up a Slack channel for specific epics or for the stories or how they were going to communicate where they could be focused on that one area and not tied up in, you know, uh, general chats where things get lost. And some of those techniques that they were using really helped for them to 
focus as a group on what they were doing. They, they also worked together uh, on stories at the same time. So there was limited work in progress, which also allowed for good focus on, on the work at hand. And they did escalate any time they were asked to do something that was not uh, planned for within, within the sprint. And every daily scrum, they revisited things and figured out where they were and reset. And all of that allowed them uh, to have that really good focus. And they were working in three different offices. So even pre-COVID, they were you know, distributed. So uh, it worked really well. Well, cool. Let me ask you about how, how did you do the assessment model on that? I mean, to, to know that was that being achieved? And it sounded like you did some adaptions as this team was gaining proficiency uh, and adding potentially new tools uh, to the toolkit. Um, but I'm kind of curious in that process of leading up to that proficiency. It really, you know, it didn't take as long as it's taken for a lot of other teams that I've worked with. Uh, they were very uh, open to change, open to experimenting. You know, it did take a while to get to that point because a lot of people are used to multitasking. There, there was this like uh, more serialized way of working with some of them. And it was more of a, let's try this and see how it works. And I think it took about six sprints worth of, of experimenting with ways of working that could help get the goals achieved where they sort of got their groove and figured out what they needed to do. They did a really great job in self-organizing and, and managing themselves based on having a good um, sense of purpose and the why, you know, the why was very important, understanding what you're doing and that communication from, uh, from management on, this is why we're doing this, this is what you're going to achieve by getting these things done. Uh, understanding that it gave them also the uh, efficiency in in working because they kind of were able to uh, learn the business so that they were able to be uh, much faster at creating the outcomes that they needed to create. Well, cool. Thank you for sharing all of that. But they should have a team like that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, we all, we all dream about past teams that we've had, that we go, oh, if I only had that team back, it would yeah, be so like, cool. I, I tried to use a lot of what uh, what we did there when coaching other teams. It doesn't always work. Well, that, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Hector, how about yourself? Hey, Ray, thanks for taking my call. All right, I'm going to do this in three parts, and I'm going to say maybe something that maybe not everybody agrees, which is fine, which is saying that it's that focus without commitment is really hallucination. You have to have some commitment <laughs> to focus. And then the word focus, if you look at the first sentence there that you have or the first bullet, F-O-C-U-S, I interpret that as being as focusing on your outcome with commitment until satisfied. That's what that word means to me. Okay. Okay. Cool. And which, thank you. What you want to do is show your team and I'll, look, I'll use the metaphor as a puzzle. You're trying to put together a puzzle. You're trying to solve a problem. So you show them the box, if you will. You show them the outcome, what the, what the painting or what the puzzle should look like 
when you finish it. So you keep showing them that. The way people lose focus is because they don't have a picture of what where they're going after, what I call the worthy ideal, something that's worth it. So if something's worth it, you're going to commit and you're going to focus. The other question you want to ask yourself is on the at the end of your outcome, when you finish the actual focus or the commitment or the worthy ideal, and now if you've produced the outcome, ask yourself before you produce it, what's true on the day that you complete that outcome? So you're thinking ahead and you're kind of reverse engineering. So you're already thinking, if we finish this, if we focus on this, if we commit on this, all of this is going to be true. And our client will be happy. We'll be happy. We get our bonus. We get our incentive fine. We keep our jobs. Wow. You threw a lot in the end of that right there, which is could also be the other thing is if focus is lost, does it go to death and destruction or, or, or how does the, the end play if it doesn't end up where the target's met? No, that's also what I'll call, you can still close the project even if you did not complete it. It could be many reasons why you did not achieve the outcome. It could be that you ran out of money or the team dispersed or the company or whoever you're working with says, you know what, we're not going to do that puzzle anymore. We're going to work on another puzzle. So you have to understand why things get terminated. It's not always your fault. Uh, sure. That's no, I, I fully agree with that because you know I used to I used to work at a big, large Fortune 100 company that used to yes. uh, do mic microprocessors um, that yes. used to have a, a ringing sound as the as the bell went off on, on their commercials, without mentioning without mentioning by name. But we would have like parallel projects going. I mean, multi-year microprocessor projects where, when we got close to the end, that that we discovered that the two competing microprocessors that we were designing, that there wasn't room in the market for both of them. And they would deactivate yep. one of those. Yep. Or you save it for a rainy day. Yeah, or save it for a rainy day. I mean, but theoretically they could have shipped it, but they realized that it would cause market confusion. And it was very important, and maybe in the techniques that you were talking about here is when that occurs, that we need to also make sure that we we embrace and and celebrate the learning that we exactly from that so. exactly there's an old joke or an old story not a joke a real story I, I worked for ibm for a long time the story was always that when tom watson brought in one of the top engineers into their office and when they told him hey you got to go see tom he thought he was going to get fired because he just wasted or spent 10 million dollars back in 1933 that was a lot of money and tom said hey congratulations what do you mean, Mr. Watson? I, I just spent $10 million and we did not achieve what you asked us to achieve. No, we did achieve a lot. We learned so much for that. I'm going to give you another $10 million. Well, that's, that's, that's very uh, somewhat DARPA of them. If you guys yeah. are ever familiar yeah. with DARPA projects, exactly. Uh, they go back and refund themselves every two years. And they never, they, part of the pattern is, is that, and this is probably part of the focus thing, which is, yeah. They understand that they need to keep, um, if the team is in existence too long, then a bureaucracy forms around them and that they want to break bureaucracy Absolutely. from that. Thank you, Ray, for the time. Hey, no problem. I appreciate your insights on this. Um, let's see, Bob, um, what do you have on this? Uh, I think the operative word is team, of course, team focus. And I'll tell you, I'm very challenged in my current environment because we have these complex silos of legacy systems that are very, again, complex, not connected via current technology like APIs. So 
the product lines are siloed, the people coming into the teams are siloed by their technical expertise. So very challenged to create focus across the team where they are not T-shaped T people, T-shaped teams. Uh, and, and so I'm trying to solve that problem, which is, again, very complex. It's the architecture and the environment in which I'm dealing in. Mm. Yeah, the Conway's law issues. If if you're familiar with that, which is if I if I stare at the architecture and stare at the org chart, they look the same. Um, <laughs> the issue of of, of you know, sort of this cross pollination, and this is part of, part of the reason why I like paired programming quite a bit, or even uh, going into. And I don't know if they're still calling it mob programming. I'm old, so I'm going to still call it mob programming. Getting a group of people together that can start to understand what others do. I mean, sometimes people go, two people sitting at the same desk, they're they're wasting half of developer time. But actually what they're doing is, is they're going to accelerate the organization faster by by getting more people that can do more things. Um, so yeah, no, I, I agree with the complexity issues there. I'm kind of curious with that, with um, uh, what, what are some of the, the steps that you're taking like right now um, to, to go improve that? If, you, if you're open to saying. Yeah, yeah. On a big level, we have to change things so the systems talk to each other. So as the systems are able to talk to each other and it's not so complex and technically difficult to learn one system and how it talks to another for an individual, uh, that'll simplify the, again, architecture and the complexity will simplify it. And so then I can have a individual engineer able to not only see the upline and downline of, of the system they they have their expertise in, but they can begin to learn the other systems because, again, their system is no longer as complex as it used to be where only one person could be a subject matter expert. Mm. So that's a bigger picture. But, yes, I continue to push them at a minimum to be joined at the hip with the testers because even they are kind of specialized in that one system but at a minimum have the developer and tester work much 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 more closely together because that was also something very old school they were doing yeah that's that that pattern is is interesting um i i think when we used to like do bug scrubs um and i noticed that you know that a lot of communication was just through through a defect tracker it's just like why aren't you guys just talking to one another and maybe potentially instead of us spending five hours a week scrubbing defects why don't we just spend five hours a week fixing defects thank you for sharing your insights bob i really appreciate that um let's see rahish uh, what do you have on this all right um how do you help the team achieve focus especially with remote work. What I do is I um, run a breath work session followed by a uh, short meditation every morning from 8.50 to 9 a.m. Now, how does that help with focus? We do a mindfulness meditation as they bring focus on their breath and they are distracted by their thoughts as they wash like waves. Their, um, their anchor is breathing. So as they continue to practice, and this becomes their muscle memory, 
and this can translate into work and well the, the scrim value focus because they know that anytime that they are being distracted by a slack message or um you know a team's message whatever it is they can always bring the focus back to what they were working on mm. as opposed to getting distracted especially with um, people who have um, developmental um, problems like uh, ADD or ADHD and anxiety so that okay. they can continue to um, keep performing at a level where they are expected to by themselves and they can continually improve. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I know a number of people that utilize mindfulness or other other techniques that they can bring into it to, to, to help focus people on that. So yeah, um, I, I think one of the challenges that I, that I saw, and I'm just curious how you got the pattern going within the team, is that having done this in prior teams before, that there, there are a few people that, um, that in the very beginning that just don't get it, uh, don't understand why we're using mindfulness in that pattern um, to kick things off. I'm, I'm curious how you, how you um, approach that. So my approach again was um, through empiricism. I asked them to observe their thoughts and emotions and journal it before they did the breath work and observe their thoughts and emotions at random intervals during the day after they uh, did this exercise and keep a log of this data to see how it trends. Mm, yeah, that's very similar as I, as I meditate. That's one of the things that I always try to be mindful of is just exactly what you what you put there. But, you know, I, I think overall that, that that that's a really good pattern. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sheila, you wanted to add uh, something to this? I've worked with some teams that were very junior and that kept getting management kept interfering and reorganizing them every few weeks. So it's very hard to get a team to focus when the team keeps getting rebuilt and you have to reestablish relationships. So one of the things that I found helped was with really junior people, just talking to them about the basics repeatedly and asking them if they knew something really basic about, it doesn't even have to be about agile, just basically about how do you navigate in an organization if you're relatively new to the world of work and you've just come out of school within the last couple of years. Um, another thing I found was that everybody was getting scheduled into so many meetings throughout the day that it was very difficult for them to find a block of time where they actually could focus long enough to be productive. So with some other people, it was presented to management that we needed to have specific time that was allocated for just a development focus and that no meeting should be scheduled in that time unless they were scheduled by the developers themselves as working sessions or for their own purposes. Um, and I was really surprised because I thought we'd be doing good to get an hour couple of times a week 
and they actually really committed to it and gave us about three hours, three or four days a week, mm. which was great because it definitely helped a lot with the productivity. And then the more junior people knew a time when they could go to someone senior and say, can we do a one-on-one -on -one meeting where we'll share screens because they were all working out of different locations. Um, and I can explain to you what my problem is and ask if you have any suggestions. Or if there was something that was a new design issue that everybody needed to focus on or several people did, that there was a block of time then when they weren't going to get interrupted so they could actually make meaningful progress. I don't know okay. what to do about management constantly shuffling the team, which was happening a lot and from what I understood was happening long before I got there and was happening after I left. Um, but I do think that that's something where management needed some more coaching because I think it was a management team that thought that Agile only applied to the teams not to management so they weren't understanding that you know, it's the typical things that managers do where they, they think, oh, now that I know what's going on, I can go back to doing my usual management. And right. they kind of break it. Which is kind of interesting because I think that, um, and, and by the way, I, I'm going to go ahead and throw that problem onto us as Agile coaches. We do not have enough body of work of saying what is the role of manager in Agile. And there's so many conflicting things from the old stories that we had at the beginning of Scrum where they said managers don't have a role at all to other other versions of that. And I, I think we're just a little inconsistent there. And, and we could probably spend an entire podcast of saying, what is the perfect Agile leader or Agile manager and what, what do they do? <laughs> what are we expecting them to do in their job? Which would be... Well, in, in that case... I would want to know, do we want the same thing from them if we're using different frameworks or with organizations yeah. at different levels of maturity? Yeah. Does their role need to evolve as the organization evolves? Yeah, I, I think absolutely it does. And I think that, but we, ha we haven't been, I think, again, back to the, the coaching community. We're not all on the same page of, of that. And so when managers go off and 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 stumble into neighborhoods of information on the internet they get one view or you know like i said there there's still a prevalent view out there that the the level of need of many managers is not there anymore um, i love that you said that about the senior the managers stumbling into information on the internet because that's exactly what happened with one of the more senior members of the management team and they thought they knew it all after watching a few hours of videos at a high level about one approach to Agile. Yep. <laughs> and it's it sort of goes back into my son. My son originally one time told me, I don't need to go to school. I can learn everything off the internet. And it was it was it was a great 10-year-old moment for him. And it's always striking me when I do hear managers hit that same thing. Um, they're having their great 10-year-old moment as well. <laughs> They were talking to talk, but they didn't really know how to walk the walk. Yeah. And as you know, that's practice and it's sometimes difficult. I think one of the challenges that um, we've always had is, and I, I found an old slide a long time ago that was uh, an analysis that we did of leaders who were most successful with Agile and what the data showed across 300 managers who had Agile teams working for them. 
that the synergistic based leadership styles and the and the catalytic based leadership styles were far more successful than the uh, than the expert leaders and the achiever leaders, the people who were just achievers. Boy, they were at the bottom of the list. They they were not successful at all in doing agile adoption work. So, thank you for your insights, Sheila. Um, Eric, you are out there. What do you have to offer for this topic? I wanted to chime in on on that notion uh, of setting expectations up with the management. And I think it really helps if we stick our necks out and perhaps have a playbook so that it's not something we feel uncomfortable about bringing up the very first time to upper management. Uh, perhaps it's at the beginning of our engagement or it could be mid-flight. And if there are other um, scrum masters and project managers that you can pull along with you, bring the management team and uh, the the uh, leadership team into one room and uh, you know give them a a little presentation about not so much the frameworks but agile mindset and then perhaps coach them on uh, i really loved what you said uh, ray regarding the type of leaders that have been most successful with regards to the team results and the value brought by the team members, what kind of attitude uh, and uh, uh, persona uh, of a leader, uh, what kind of support they are expected to give to their teams. And use that as a first blush approach and layer that on with maybe um, monthly or quarterly type mindset type uh, alignment meetings uh, just to focus them i think it really has to start at the top we learn from scaled agile framework that uh, we need to get buy-in from leadership and they have that leading safe thing at the beginning of the implementation roadmap but i think we can be less formal and, and but still come up with some playbook so that's mm -hmm. my two cents there no, I think that's really good. And just to add a little contrast to that, I think one of the one of the challenges with most, especially expert-based leaders and um, and achiever-based leaders, is that they they are not very open and transparent about admitting that they are lacking knowledge in some space. And I, I think the teams that the best thing that a manager, if you're if you're a leader of an agile team, that you could do is and I do this like on an annual basis when I get my my review, I share what I'm learning and develop my development plan with my team members so they know what I'm trying to go do. I'm trying to be a, and I know my evolution from going from an expert-based leader, because that's what I was way back when, to a catalytic leadership style. That was a hard journey for me. And I had a lot of help from not just my person I reported to, but also my peers and I've always considered that people who, even though on a hierarchical sense that work supposedly work for me, that they work with me. And so therefore I, I share my development plan with them so that they can they can help me along that journey. So for the last for the last uh, five minutes, I do want to just have a small pivot to one other question I'd like to ask people here. 
And you guys can, if you feel comfortable sharing this, I would like to know as we close this year, what did you do this year that deserves a celebration? What type of thing did you do that you said, oh, wow, that is something that needs to be, uh, I'm gonna celebrate this. Jorg, you first, what should we celebrate with you, dude? I made a lot of people smile and that uh, makes me happy that's worth celebrating because that brings so much energy into the world. That is awesome. And you know, we meet every single time we get together and you say happy Friday to me and you do make me smile. And I, I really appreciate that. So good work. Uh, Shauna, how about you? And I know I'm putting you on the spot for this, but. <laughs> no, that's all right. I, for me, this year has been about uh, my own self-focus. And so what I'm celebrating at the end of the year is I'm making a career shift and I'm focusing on really the things that are going to make me happy so that I can be more happier for the people around me. So that's that's what I'm celebrating this year. I will celebrate that with you because one of the things is we've, over the years that we've worked together, I can tell you that you have been an inspiration to me and I, I need you happy. So I, you know, so definitely it's a, it's a celebration there. Anyone else, do they want to share a celebration that they want to share just to- I'd like to, this is Rajesh. What I want to celebrate this year was at least for since June, my wife stopped asking me this, you know, um, or she stopped starting a weird way of starting a conversation. Are you listening? Yeah, I don't hear that anymore. So that's something that. So is that because you're listening, dude? Yeah, I am actively. Oh, there we go. That That is incredibly cool. Well, you know, I, I tend to be more of a fixer person. And I can tell you that, you know, it took me a number of years to realize that um, I needed to listen more instead of just diving into, sometimes you just, people just need to hear that. So that, that that's cool, G great accomplishment. Anyone else would like to share? I have, I have two, which are, are somewhat, one is somewhat recent. Well, they're both really recent, but over the year, I have started trying to write more. And that is a big achievement for me because I've, I've always wanted to do that. So um, I've finally started to do, to do that had one of my blogs published last week or this week, Tuesday. So I was very excited about that. So I'm celebrating that. That is just like such a big win for me. And the second celebration that I have is really somebody else's celebration, which is a scrum master that I'm coaching. And we, the, the progress this week went like from, it was like that, you know, like a car going from zero to 60, like all of a sudden the light bulb went off and it was just, and I'm still on a big high from what has happened this week on that. And as a coach, that's one of those things where when it happens, you just can't stop smiling. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing both of those things. And yeah, it's like, I can tell you that every one of my mentees that I work with and, and I see them, you know, you know, sort of like blossom and go, it's just like, yeah, I get jazzed. Uh, no different than I get jazzed coming here every month. Um, I could tell you that um, one of the things, the reason why I enjoy coming to and, and hosting this over the five years that we've done it is because I just love community coming together. And I can tell you that when I saw those 
saw those stats coming from Spotify, I was sitting there just like really happy because I know that what we're trying to do here is making a difference, which is which is incredibly cool. Which opens up an opportunity that I would like to um, share with you, which I what I would like to do coming into the new year. We get a constant flow of people saying that I can't attend the live session, I can't attend this, I can't I can't because I have other things that are going on, or I'm in Sydney, Australia, and I'd love to be a part of the live event, but I can't. And so I'm I'm, I'm going to offer an opportunity out that you know we have on our podcasting service today. We we have. A number of hours that we can post to the ACN channel. It doesn't have to just be, um, even though um, the work that we do here with uh, Shauna Yorg and Hendrik and, and Diana and myself, it doesn't just need to be one podcast that goes out from just one area. If you've got an idea for an ACN podcast conversation that you're having in a local group, I would like to have a conversation with you and ask whether or not you know we will have that conversation about making sure that we you know get keep the standards of the show up and that type of thing as far as audio quality and other things if you want to think about considering adding your voice and a group's voice that currently right now is in a different alternate time zone please reach out to me at ray.rl at new agility the overall acn is is part of the new agility family so just send me a, a note there or if there's other formats that we want to add to the podcast, because we've been running this format for a while, if there's another format that you'd like to see, please go ahead and make those suggestions. And I want to hear ideas. I want to hear how we can expand the voice in uh, the next year. Next, our next live event is going to be on Friday, January 27th. Um, and that's into the new year. Um, I hope, you know, if for those of you who are coming into the holiday season here and also the New Year's, I want to just wish you and your family have a wonderful new year. And I want to, again, thank you all for the conversations that we had. And I'll see you all on uh, January 27th. This podcast is for educational and informative purposes only. To find out more information about the member-supported Agile Alliance, please go to agilealliance.org to find out about more upcoming events as well as different programs that are available to help you with your Agile journey.